Welcome to HealthCom Central, where we unpack theories and frameworks that can help you create more effective communication to improve both health outcomes and health equity. I'm your host, Karen Hilliard, behavioral scientist and longtime communication practitioner. If you're looking for fresh approaches that get real results, you are in the right place. So let's get started. Hello, HealthCom nerds and HealthCom novices. Welcome to another episode of HealthCom Central. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about how product and price work in social marketing. This is actually the first of a very short series I'm going to be doing on social marketing related concepts. And if you listened to my first episode about social marketing, where I sort of introduced it, That was episode six. So if you haven't heard that one, you may want to go back, just stop this one right now, go back and listen to that to get you caught up. But you'll know a couple of things. First of all, social marketing is one of the frameworks that I consider fundamental to the work that we do at HealthCom Central. And secondly, if you have listened to that episode, you'll know that social marketing applies corporate marketing to changing behaviors, not for profit, but for the social good. And it specifically applies something called the four P's of marketing. So even if you know nothing about social marketing, if you've ever taken a marketing course, you are probably familiar with the four P's, product, price, place, and promotion. And today we're going to take a deep dive on the issue of product And spend a little time also talking about price and how the two things, product and price, relate. So one of the key concepts that you have to wrap your mind around in social marketing is the idea of product. And often people who are new to social marketing get a little confused about the idea of product. I know you're probably saying, I work in public health. I'm not selling anything. I mean, because what product are you actually selling if you're a public health practitioner and what you're trying to do is to get somebody to engage in a behavior like hand washing? The answer is you are selling them on a behavior. In social marketing, the product is the behavior. Now, before we explore that concept of the product being the behavior, I want to come back for a moment to consumer marketing and ask you to think of the products that people buy, and how they make those decisions. For example, if you were buying a pair of blue jeans, let's say, you have a lot of different choices. At the end of the day, all that a pair of blue jeans is, is denim trousers. It meets a need for you of covering your body. But if that was the only need that it met, if you just needed something to put on your body, why wouldn't everybody buy the same kind, the cheapest ones that would get the job done? Why instead do we have some people buying a $15 pair at Walmart or Old Navy and other people buy a $60 pair from Levi's or Carhartt and other people buy a $200 or $300 pair from Mother or Citizens of Humanity or whatever other designer brand is currently popular? The reason that not everybody is buying the same pair of blue jeans, the reason that they're not all engaging in that same consumer behavior of buying a product. The reason that not everybody is buying the same brand of blue jeans is because people make a choice based on their needs and their values. And my needs and values are going to be different than yours or different than your next door neighbor or 
someone who wears blue jeans to work construction or the needs of a local teenager, college student, or an A-list celebrity. So let's talk then about what you're actually getting beyond actual physical pair of jeans when you make that consumer purchase. Now, I promise this is all going to make sense and relate back to health behaviors in just a moment, but just stick with me for a second while we talk about blue jeans. So beyond the actual physical pair of blue jeans, what are you really getting? What is it that connects to your needs and values and determines who is going to buy which pair? Well, it depends on which audience segment you're in. But some of those answers, some of the reasons that people might buy a particular pair of blue jeans are going to be things like comfort and fit and convenience, durability, fashion, of course, or style, maybe status, maybe affordability, because those are the kinds of things that meet people's core needs. So when somebody's buying blue jeans, there are actually two things that they're buying. They're buying the actual product, the thing that is put in their hand, the thing that passes across the counter and that they walk out of the store with, but they're also buying a core product, a core product that meets their needs. So let's say that one of my core needs is to impress other people by staying ahead of trends. It's not, but let's pretend it is for a minute. And let's say that I'm trying to be trendy and stay ahead of trends because it seems to elevate my status somehow. So I opt for the designer jeans for 300 bucks. The actual product is jeans. The core product is status. So let's say on the other hand that I'm a construction worker who buys the Carhartt jeans because I perceive them as being durable and unfussy. Again, the actual product is jeans. The core product though is different. It's not going to be status. Instead, it's something that appeals to the needs that I just stated, practicality, durability, those kinds of things. Getting beyond this surface level, looking beyond the actual product to the core product is critically important. And one of the reasons I start with consumer products here is that they're very easy to relate to. And again, this is what corporate marketers do. They look for what are these core needs and how can we connect to those core needs? Because core needs are what motivates your audience. It's what all of your messages and your campaigns have to be built around in marketing. When we're talking about selling a product, we are really talking about selling the core product. And depending on which audience segment you're selling it to, you might be selling several different core products to several different audiences with different core needs. Let's go back to the blue jeans for a moment here. Take, for example, Levi's 501 jeans, you know, the red tag, classic style. They're worn by people of all genders. They're sort of in the middle of the price range. And in those groups of people that are all buying that same product, there might be one segment of the audience that buys them because they've always pretty much worn that brand and going with a familiar product is convenient. It's easy. They don't have to think about it much. But maybe there's another audience segment that's also buying the same jeans because, hey, they think their butt looks great and it's all about feeling good and looking hot. Or 
Maybe there's another group that's buying them because it's what their friends wear and they want to fit in. And then again, maybe you've got an A-list celebrity who's buying Levi's 501s, not because they can't afford more expensive jeans, but they're buying them for the reverse snob appeal, showing that they're really, you know, they're one of the regular people or how unconcerned they are with consumerism. So four different audience segments, the same actual product sold to each one, but four totally different core products that motivate those people to hand over their money to pay whatever it costs and buy those jeans. If you're a company that sells blue jeans, you're not really selling blue jeans. You are selling a way to meet people's needs. This actual and core product distinction is something very important to understand when it comes to selling a behavior, which is what we do in social marketing when we talk about selling a product. We are selling a behavior. The actual product is not what people are really buying. They're not buying the 40 to 45 minutes of physical activity a day that we recommend. They're meeting a core need. Maybe it's a core need to get stronger or have more energy or live long enough to see their grandchildren get married. Maybe it goes back to having their butt look good in a pair of Levi's. Who knows? For a lot of health behaviors, health may not even be the primary motivation. You know, again, another example, think about persuading people to engage in the behavior of wearing a hat in the sun outdoors. And yeah, sure, they're going to be a group of people, one segment of people who wear a hat because they want to prevent skin cancer. But that's not going to be the motivator for other people. It might not even be the best motivator for anyone. For one segment, it might be that they're wearing a hat during peak sun hours to stop premature wrinkling, right? Maybe that's what motivates them. For another group, maybe it is avoiding a sunburn that could ruin their vacation. Maybe for another group, it is meeting the need to demonstrate their fashion sensibility with the choice of a hat. Now let's talk about price. Generally, when we're talking about consumer products, we're talking about a monetary or financial price that people pay for a product. When health behaviors themselves are the product and we know that there's no money changing hands, what do we actually mean by price? Price in social marketing means all of the monetary or the non-monetary costs associated with engaging in a behavior. And just like for consumer products, when someone's engaging in a transaction, when they're paying the price for a product, the product needs to be worth the price. And remember here, we're talking about the core product. So put another way, if the price is too high compared to the perceived value of the product, people aren't going to pay it. Here again, we're talking about the price that people are paying for the core product. And if I'm buying jeans and my greatest need is durability, I'm going to look at the $15 pair. I'm going to look at the $50 pair. I'm going to look at the $200 pair of jeans and think about whether the durability that I'm getting is worth the money that I'm paying. So let's think of a health behavior example now. Let's think about this idea of increased physical activity for a moment. There are a lot of ways that you could increase your physical activity that have no monetary cost at all, right? So we're thinking about non-monetary costs here. What is the price for engaging in more physical activity? Let's get very specific here with a behavior that you can think about instead of abstract. Let's say that the actual behavior we want people to engage in 
is to go for a walk after dinner every night. So what is the perceived price associated with this? If it's not monetary, what's it going to cost someone? When you're thinking about the price of a behavior, you usually want to think first in terms of time or hassle factor. Then you can think about discomfort. You can think about embarrassment or emotional distress that it might cause. There may be some other costs associated with a behavior for people, but those are the main categories. So let's imagine that, we're again, we're talking about going for a walk after dinner at night, and you live in the Southeast where it's really hot and humid much of the year. And when you think about walking after dinner, you know it's really, you're going to be really sweaty. You might have to take a shower when you're done. That's not very pleasant, right? Getting sweaty, having to fit an extra shower in, those are all costs associated with that behavior. Or maybe you live in a place where you don't feel safe walking at night and after dinner, it might be dark. So the price of walking after dinner might be some anxiety. Or if your perception about safety is accurate, hopefully it's not, but if it is, it might even be that walking is a true cost to your safety. In either case, the core product, what somebody is really getting when they go for that walk, will have to be a high enough perceived value that it makes it worth that perceived price. So what can you do as a social marketer? How can you either increase the perceived value of the product or somehow lower the price? You can approach it the same way that corporate marketers do, right? Corporate marketers may advertise or throw in something extra to increase the perceived value of something. You know how like you'll see those TV ads where it's like, and there's more, And they keep offering more and more things that up the perceived value of whatever it is that you're getting. If you act now, we'll include blah, blah, blah. Corporate marketers also sometimes run sales or they offer coupons or something else to reduce the price. So let's take this issue of safety around walking at night. And let's say that the core need that a walk after dinner might meet for someone who's in our audience is perhaps avoid going on medication for their diabetes. And perhaps it allows them to do that without having to join a gym or do something else that might have some barriers. So how can you increase the perceived value of what they're getting out of it? What else can you throw in to sweeten the pot? I mean, preventing your diabetes from progressing is pretty good, but it might not be enough to motivate somebody. So what else can they get out of it? Maybe you can position it as a chance to connect with their spouse or their partner or to connect with friends by encouraging it to be a group activity. That makes it an even more beneficial activity. It makes it more fun, more popular. And it also has the side effect of potentially making it safer. So that's going to reduce the price at the same time it increases the perceived value. On the other hand, Maybe somebody is really already pretty motivated about controlling their diabetes. I mean, they really, really want to do it, but the price is just a little too high. I mean, just like somebody could really, really want those designer jeans, but sorry, that's just out of my price range. You can look for ways as a social marketer to lower the price. What are some things that you can think of right now? Well, for example, a component of the campaign, because Remember, social marketing isn't just about communication. It's a whole campaign to change behavior. A component of the campaign might be some improvements to the community, like better lighting 
or maybe organizing some group walking programs, some things that would directly address that perceived price, that concern about safety. When it comes to price, there is one thing that people sometimes get confused about that I want to mention. Price is always the cost from the perspective of the audience, the cost of engaging in a behavior. It doesn't have anything to do with what you, the social marketer, are paying for the campaign. Just like when we look at a pair of jeans and say, what is the price? We're talking about the retail price. We're not talking about dollars spent by the company on an ad campaign to sell those jeans. A good rule of thumb when you're new to social marketing is to pause and think of an analogy or a comparison that you can make to corporate marketing. Usually that'll help clarify whatever you're thinking. Getting very comfortable with this idea of products and prices when it comes to behaviors is a critical precursor to understanding how social marketing works and being able to apply it for your own behavior change campaigns. That's because all behaviors are really, in a sense, transactions. Every single behavior. Now, I've gotten some pushback from time to time on that statement, and we're going to back to that as part of this series and unpack that a little bit, this idea that behaviors are transactional. So let's put a pin in that for now. We'll come back to it and discuss it. But in the meantime, what I want you to do after today's episode is really do some practice when it comes to products and prices. You can start by examining your own behaviors. And I mean, really basic behaviors. They don't even have to be health behaviors. If the actual product, for example, is loading the dishwasher, what's the core product? And you know there has to be one because most people don't find the act of loading the dishwasher all that enjoyable by itself. So there must be another reason for doing it. When you identify the core product, think about, okay, what is the price that I pay for that core product? And think about several household activities this way, loading the dishwasher, taking the garbage out, cleaning the bathroom. If you live with roommates or loved ones, I would love for you to also think of these behaviors from their perspective. The actual product is going to be the same, but your core product may or may not be the same as your spouse or partner or roommate. You guys might have totally different core products. You want to think about what core needs or values are being met by the core product. What is actually motivating the behavior or what could motivate the behavior if it's something like loading the dishwasher and your roommate really never does that. You want to think about how the price that you perceive is different or the same than the price that someone else perceives. So really start thinking about products and prices on the behavioral side of your life and then Think about them on the consumer or corporate side of your life. Every person in this listening audience can name five or six behaviors that that they routinely engage in at home or in the workplace, and probably five or six products that they routinely buy. So for all of these, whether they are behaviors or consumer products, identify the core product and identify the perceived price. I am also going to put a few links in the episode notes to point you towards some research on this idea of product and price so you can fully understand it. When we come back next week, we're going to have more on social marketing. And then over the next few weeks, we'll talk about the theoretical mechanism that underpins social marketing, which is called exchange theory. We're also going to talk about how and why the audience is always at the center of social marketing. And we'll talk about the idea that no matter what the behavior is, It is, in fact, a transaction. Speaking of transactions, I've delivered up this podcast for you today, and I'd love to have you in exchange 
scroll down and leave a rating for the HealthCom Central podcast. I hope that you'll do it as a token of your appreciation for whatever you're learning from the podcast, because the algorithm really helps tell other people about the show so that more people can find it and benefit from the information here. Of course, if your core needs are more about staying ahead professionally, being on top of things, an influencer in the workplace, then I hope that you will also tell your friends and colleagues about the podcast and share the link. Either way, I am so glad that you joined HealthCom Central today. Until next week, stay well, stay safe, and stay science-based. Bye for now. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment now to leave a rating and review. Be sure to subscribe to HealthCom Central on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have friends and colleagues who should be part of our community, please share the link. 